as you know, as fathers, you all know what is what is one of the most popular items that we get on Father's Day, right? It's what socks, right, and underwear. Okay, and so look, look, look! I got these socks. That's Larry. Larry, who said poo? Take away his plate. <laughs> but I got my Larry. I got my Larry Bird socks and. Um, I was like, man, I don't know if I can wear these. You know, it's like sacrilegious. You got to wear like Larry, and you, you know, it's just like you got to hang them in a, hang them in a, in a like a frame or something. You know, if you had like a Magic or a Michael sock, well, you just polish your car with those guys. But you know, this is a Larry. It's like Larry on these. <clears throat> All right. Who's celebrating their first Father's Day this year? Anybody celebrating their first Father's Day? Oh, yeah, is this your first Father's Day? Yeah, this is, yeah, congratulations. It's great. Enjoy your socks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Bill, where's Bill? Bill, what Father's Day is this for you? <laughs> 37 or 8. 38. Raymond, what about you? About the same? 38? Wow. Good for you, grandpas. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not one, not yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know you're going to be. Yeah, exactly. You are, actually. Well, happy Father's Day. Um, just one of those good days. Um, again, if you see any of the youth, um, especially the Takakurin, um, Takatsuka, you know, and um, Janet, Maya Shiro, you know, they, they really uh, did a lot. And uh, so you can get that stuff. All right, my ideas was to put like toss salad in there. I know it's supposed to be macaroni salad, but we had to get a little bit of health in there for y'all. But you know, there's a good friend of mine, and you know, we talk about him a lot. You know, um, um, Don Cousins, uh, and you know, he came to speak here once. His son is Kirk. Kirk is the starting quarterback with the Washington Redskins, and. Um, you know, you look at that and you think, man, that's like a major accomplishment. You know, there are times when I tell the guys in our staff around football season, we're thinking, man, we actually know one of like 30 whatever starting quarterbacks in NFL. Like, this is like crazy, right? But it's really an accomplishment and all. But, you know, it really didn't start off that way. Um, in 2012, you know, Kirk was graduated from, um, you know, Michigan State University and uh, you know, just projections, you, know, you just never know. Everybody thought that he'd go maybe the third or fourth quarterback, fourth quarterback in that draft that they had that year. Well, you know, third quarterback, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, he was the eighth quarterback pick. And not only was he the eighth quarterback pick, he went to a team that had drafted with their first pick in the first round, right? Their, their, their Washington's first pick. They pick another quarterback who was a Heisman Trophy winner. And not only that, they um, traded a whole bunch of draft choices to get that quarterback. And so when we found out that Kirk was drafted by the Washington Redskins, it was like, what, 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 what's going on? It was discouraging, and it was confusing, you know? And the uncertainty of the last four years uh, was really tough on Kirk. I mean, it was tough. I mean, there are times when I thought, man, am I really where God wants me to be? I mean, really, does God really want me to go this route? Um, you know, he, he was wondering, I wonder if I'm done, should I just hang it up and all that. And uh, it was a roller coaster, but it was a lot of uncertainty. And I remember going into last season, 
uh, he was pretty discouraged. And so Don called to say, hey, Mark, get can you pray? Because Kirk's really discouraged. And um, just at that time, Don was speaking on the book of Esther. And he, he had this word for Kirk, you know. And he said, Mark, what do you think? And I thought, this is great. And what he said to Kirk was, you know, he said, God turned the tables uh, for Esther and Mordecai in the story. You know, there's a passage, I think it's in chapter, I forget what, chapter 4. I'm not sure. But where God turns the tables, you know, for Esther and Mordecai. And, and Don tells his son, you know, God's going to turn the tables just as he did with Esther and Mordecai. He's going to turn the tables for you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I, I have a real strong sense that God's going to do that, that God's going to turn the tables for you. And so um, we prayed, and Kirk, to his credit, he says, okay, you know what, I'm going to trust. And uh, he went into that training camp with a renewed spirit, a really great attitude at that point, and he trusted God in that uncertain time. And, um, you know, a week before the regular season started, that he's... Like, I mean, this is like a surprise, surprise, surprise. He is now named the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. That God had indeed turned the tables uh, for him, you know. And, um, you know, fortunately, there was someone there for Kirk to encourage him, right? That there was someone there who could say, God's still with you. God's still with you. You know, we're behind you, you know. God's, God's not given up on you. And there was someone to encourage Kirk. And when I think of that story and I think of, you know, how important you dads are. That just a short word of encouragement. The things that you can say to your children are so powerful, you know. And um, there was a special moment last season. Just so happened right about that time when training camp started, uh, Don had to go through some... Um, cancer treatment, you know, they found some cancer and, uh, in his neck and some other places, so he went to cancer treatment, and then it was the ninth game of the year against the New Orleans Saints, he was finally able to go to his first game, because he, you know, he would pretty much go as, as many games as he could, this is the one year Kirk is starting, can't go, he's on, at home yelling at the refs on TV, you know, all that stuff that dads do, he finally gets to go. And so he's there, you know, he's a little weak, you know, he's like, yeah. But he's there, and um, Kirk has his best game as a professional. And after the game, you know, he runs over to his dad, and he gives his dad the game ball, you know. And it went all over um, news and internet and all that kind of stuff. And it really was uh, a really special moment and a real testimony of, of really the value of you fathers, that, 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 that as fathers, we have such an important role in the lives of our families. That, that you know, when we encourage them, it, it means so much, you know, and it meant so much to Kirk, and it means so much to all of us. And, you know, there are going to be times we all face uncertainty, right? There's uncertainty. Uh, we go through uncertain times. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what the future holds. Things look like it's a mess, but but there's good news that God's there, you know, that God is there, and he's a God who encourages us, that we kind of live in a messed up world, and, and things maybe, might be all messed up, maybe because of our own doing, and our mistakes, and our sinfulness, but sometimes it's just being here in this crazy place we call earth, right? 
But it doesn't matter because the great, great news is that God is there. And in times of uncertainty, he's going to be there to encourage you. And today as we catch up with Jacob, he's going through a really uncertain time. You know, that um, God is there and God is going to encourage him. God is going to transform his life. That God will continue to transform him from the supplanter. You remember that's what we talked about last week. That's his name, right? And he's going to change his name to Israel, which means the God who prevails. What an amazing thing. This guy who's this deceiver guy, God's going to transform his life so that his life and the testimony of his name and his life is God will prevail. And we look at Jacob's life, that's exactly what happened. And we're just going to look at four keys, right? When you're going through uncertain times, what are some things we can learn from Jacob's story here? There's four real keys that we can remember, right? And so if you got your Bibles, you're going to start in um, Genesis 27. What happened was Jacob, last week, we talked about how he deceived his father, right? And he stole the, the birthright, the blessing of the firstborn from his brother Esau, right? And so Esau is pretty steamed about the whole thing. Verse 41, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Okay, so pretty mad there. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plan. Rebekah has really sharp hearing. She always hears stuff that Esau is talking about, right? And knows the plans, sends for Jacob, and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he cools off, if he cools off, if he forgets, you know what he's done, what you've done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose the both of you in one day? So here's, he's, he's got the birthright, he's got the blessing of the firstborn, but now he's just got to leave because his brother is plotting to kill him, right? And so he's leaving home, not sure if and when he's going to return. He's going to a foreign place, not sure where he's headed really, right? He's heard about it maybe, but he's, you know, that's not home. And he's having to grab his things and go. Would he survive the trip? Remember, it was, it was Esau who was a good you know, hunter and outdoors guy. You know, Jacob was more the mama's boy. You know, would he survive the trip? You know, would he be caught by his brother and killed by his brother? So when you look at it, he leaves home, all these things. We can say Jacob is living in an uncertain time in his life, right? That's kind of what's going on. But what we look at, what's really amazing, is that God is there, and God's going to bless, God's going to encourage him, even though he's in a situation of his own doing, right? He's the one who deceived, he's the one who caused all this mess. But again, what we see is God's blessing isn't anything we earn, anything we deserve. It's just a product of his grace. It's an extension of his grace and his love for us. And so he is going to transform Jacob's life. And then we look at Genesis 20, verse 10 now. Jacob leaves, travels, he sundown, you know, he's going. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good um, 
uh, journey. It's about 450 miles, all right? So he's, he's out there. He's going to set up camp uh, for the night. Got to rest, right? And um, he finds a stone to rest his head on, and he lays down to sleep. Some of us would think, wow, stone. That's rough, stone pillow. That, was, um, that wasn't like rare or super common back then, but people did sleep on stones like that, you know? And then on verse 12, as he slept, he has this amazing dream. He dreams of a stairway that reaches from the earth to the heavens. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairs. And you see, fleeing from home, Jacob stops right, to rest. And God comes with encouragement to Jacob via a dream. Okay? That God's going to speak to Jacob in a dream. And in a dream, you know, he saw this stairway from earth to heaven. And Jacob would have understood that, you know, that is symbolism for the stairway representing, you know, access to God. We read in John, when uh, later on in John 8, I believe, uh, where Jesus, you know, is speaking to one of his disciples, and he kind of mentions about the stairway, and it's like Jesus is really that stairway, right? And so this is Jesus being this access between earth and heaven. And so what what God is encouraging Jacob, he's giving him a glimpse of what it's all about. Jesus is, is going to come to do all this. But he's saying, look, there's access and there's angels. Um, they're going up and down and on this thing. And the main point of the dream was to encourage Jacob that, that the Lord was there. That the Lord was active and he was present on this journey. Yeah? That he was going to be with him. That there was always going to be an access to heaven and to God as he goes along. And then in um, what we see then is that it's uncertain time. He's traveling alone, foreign place. He's, he's, he's lonely. He feels all alone, but he's not alone because God is with him. That God, his heavenly father, is there with him. And God shows himself in a dream, and he gives Jacob this incredible word of encouragement. And there are these four things, I think, that, that God wants us to remember, you know, that we need to remember God. And if you're going through an uncertain time, right, and dad, if your family is going through an uncertain time, you're really, really important, that you're going to set the pace for your whole family. How you go, your family will go. And so there's four things. You know, bulletin, you can follow on. The first thing is that in uncertain times, you just remember, you remember who God is, and you remember his promises, right? That's the first thing. We remember who God is, and we remember his promises. In Genesis 28, verse 13, he goes on in this dream. At the top of the stairway stood God. God wasn't going up and down. He was there, and he was watching over the whole thing. At the top of the stairs stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and your, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to me. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And the first thing that God does is he reminds Jacob that, that, that he's saying, Jacob, I am your God. Right? I am your God. Just like with you know, Grandpa Abraham, just like with Isaac, I'm that. I'm him. And I, the promises that I gave to Abraham, 
to your father Isaac, I'm giving that to you. You see, it's passed on to you. That I am your God. And I'm giving you this amazing promise that I'm going to be with you. Just as I was with them. I'm going to be with you. And not only am I going to be with you, the promises that I made to Grandpa Abraham, that's for you. Your descendants will be a blessing to the whole world, is what he's saying. And God was lovingly transforming Jacob's life. You know, remember we talked about last week that transformation, we want our lives to be transformed. It's all about grace plus truth plus time, right? And throughout Jacob's life, early life, he saw the blessings of God, these undeserved, unearned, by the grace of God blessings, right? On this journey, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you here. And now he's beginning to discover truth. God is saying, the God, I am the God of your grandfather, I'm the God of your father, and I am your God. That I, who am speaking to you through this dream, I'm your God. That is the truth. And the truth is, I'm giving you my promise. Right? And not only that, so you got grace plus truth, and now over time we're going to see God change Jacob. He's changing Jacob already. He's using this uncertain time to transform his life. And, you know, when we go through tough or uncertain times, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to remind us of who God is. When you're all, like, stressed out, isn't it easy to forget who God is and you're just focusing on whatever you're focusing on? But, but, but God is saying, let the Holy Spirit remind you who I am, you see? And re- let Him remind you of His promises to you. Now, how many of you know what God's promises for you are? You know, and some of us will say, well, we don't know. Like, God, we never had a dream, you know? We never had a dream where God came, and we, just, we saw no stairways, you know? Well, when you look in the Word, you look in the Bible, and why the Bible is so, so precious, it's filled with God's promises for you. Here's a, here's a few. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Okay? You're tired, you're burdened, you're weary. Come, I promise I'm going to give you rest. That's a great one. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle, humble in heart, and you're going to find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're going through a time, you're weary now, you're tired, you remember who God is, you remember his promises. He promises if you go to him, he will give you rest. That's a great promise, right? Proverbs 1.33, But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Isn't that a great promise? Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. That's God's promise to you. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. And we all sin, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's like the greatest promise. That we don't earn nothing, we don't deserve something, we don't try to be really, really, really good because hopefully by then we get to go to heaven. No. He says, here's the promise. I've given you my son. You know, that's a great promise. In uncertain times, you got to remember who God is. Who God is, and you got to remember his promises for you. 
not easy, but if we begin to look, and this is what I do. I look, I'm messed up now, and I look, but what about back here? Wasn't God there? Wasn't God here? Wasn't God here? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Won't he who was faithful to me there will be faithful to me? Yes, he will, because God doesn't change. And we've got to remember who God is, and we have to remember, we have to remember his promises. How many promises are like locked up or they're like on a shelf somewhere because we don't activate, we don't grab hold of those promises? You got to grab hold. Second thing, in uncertain times, remember God's presence. In uncertain times, remember God's presence. God is teaching me in this season of my life how important God's presence is. In Genesis 28, verse 15, the first part, it says, what more, say, I promise you this, I'm going to be with you, I am your God, you know, your descendants, I'm going to give this amazing promise, and then it says, what's more, I am with you. How great is that? I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. And Jacob might have felt alone, running away, running, fleeing from home, you know, angry brother wants to kill him, but you know, he wasn't alone. That God Almighty says to him, what's more, I am with you. I am with you, and I will protect you where? Wherever you go. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. God's presence. We have to remember God's presence. God promised that he would be there for Jacob, and he promises that he's going to be there for us. See, when I'm going through uncertain times, I'm like, man, one of the first questions is what? Where are you, God? And God is right there. So what do I need to do? I've got to remember that God's there. Right? We've got to remember that God's going to be with us. That, that, that through his grace, he blesses us. Then through his word and through the things we go through, we can stand on his truth. And then as we remember that he is with us, we just take steps forward. We're just going to trust him. Even if it's this little, we just take a step forward. And over time, if you keep trusting, if you keep walking, God's going to transform your life. God's going to transform your life. You see, that's his gift of love and transformation for us. But we've got to make a choice. We've got to allow him. We have to allow him to change us by his grace and his truth and over time. We have to remember that he is with us. The third thing, in uncertain times, you've got to remember God's protection and provision. His protection and his provision. Not only is he God and he makes us these amazing promises, not only is he, does he promise to be with us, he promises, like we read earlier, and we're going to read, and I, I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you what? Everything I promised you. Huh? Isn't that amazing? That God says, you know, until it's done, I'm not done. Until it's all done, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you everything you need. That's what God is saying. That God is telling Jacob that 
Remember my promises. I'm going to be with you. But hey, guy, remember, I'm going to be there. I will protect you. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to provide for you. Right now, we have a team out in Cambodia. Hey, we prayed for them a few weeks ago. Last week, maybe. Two weeks ago. Forget. I'm old now. Um, but they're in Cambodia. A lot of spiritual warfare there. You know, um, guys are getting, the leaders of the team, getting food poisoning. One guy falls down, face first, chips some teeth. There's all kinds of stuff going on, right? What, what we need to pray for them is not only that God will be with them, because God is with them, but they would remember that God will protect them and provide for them. And so right now, we're going to stop. We're going to pray for them. Yeah, pray for them right now. So let's pray for Holly and Sharice from our church. But there's a group of people and, you know, Vietnam was, was pretty good, but there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on there. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for um, the obedience of Sharice and Holly that made a decision that they're going to trust you. You've, they felt you're leading uh, to go to, uh, on this short-term mission to um, Vietnam and Cambodia. And, uh, Lord, they're, they're there to share your love. And we know that there's an enemy, and he doesn't want them to do this. And there seems that they're experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare. I pray, Father, that you would protect them. We thank you that you will. We thank you that you will continue to provide for them. And I pray that right now that they would be encouraged, that you would infuse them with encouragement, that they would remember that you will protect them and that you will provide for them, Lord. And so we pray that you would turn the tables for them today, that things would be just amazingly good and Father, we thank you for what you've done already. You love them. And I remember Cherie say, first thing she said to pray for was pray that um, her and Holly don't kill each other. They're both still alive, God. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. See, God promises. He says, like, man, you're, going, you're leaving home. Your brother's after you, right? It's, it's 450 miles to this foreign place. And God tells Jacob, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide you. I'm going to give you everything you need until it's all over. So trust me. And in the same way, in these uncertain times, we do not need to fear the dangers we face in, in, in life and all the things that's going on today. It's a crazy place we live in. But we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about, about this fragile economy in which we live. You know, that he's going to watch over us. You know, and we think back, hasn't God always protected you? Hasn't he always provided for you? You know, and my daughter just came back from an eight-month internship in, in Los Angeles. And, you know, who knows where God's going to put her next. And, and one day I was just all having a pity party, you know. And, yeah, I, even at my advanced stage, I still have those from time to time. And I remember God saying, Mark, look. Didn't you ask that I would protect Michelle in that big, horrible city called L.A.? <laughs> that big city, right? Single woman, you know? And I said, yep. Yeah. Didn't I protect her? Yes. Didn't I provide for her? Yes. Was there ever a day you really needed to worry? No. Right? And I had to remember God's protection, I had to remember his provisions. And you know, that's what God's saying 
to us. And, and grace, experiencing God's grace and all that, the truth that he does, that he's the promise-making, promise-keeping God, and over time, he's transforming my life. When Michelle leaves wherever she goes next, I'm probably not going to cry as much as I did. I'm probably not going to lose four pounds and five pounds in four days because I don't eat. I'll just probably like lose a couple maybe. See? But I feel like he's transforming my life. What is my responsibility? I've got to remember God. I've got to remember that God is the God who protects and he provides. You know? You know? And um, we look at this and God is saying, remember me. Remember who I am and all my promises. Can you remember that? Look the way if I blessed you. Remember that, that I'm going to be with you. Remember my presence in your life. I'm not leaving you. You're not, you, know, you may be fleeing from home and everybody you know and love, but I'm going to go with you. And you've got to remember his, his protection and his provisions. Mark, when you're all like, don't know what the future's going to hold, you've got to remember that I've always protected, I've always provided for you. And so how did Jacob respond? How did Jacob respond to this, right? He gets the dream, like, whoa, last time I'm sleeping on a, pi- on a pillow made of stone. This is rough. Right? Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid in reverent fear before God and saying, whoa, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early, took the stone that he's been resting his head on, set it upright as a memorial pillar yeah, to remember. He, he set that up to remember. Okay? Then he poured olive oil on it, named the place Bethel, which means house of God. You know, and then he makes his vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then you know what? He has a light bulb moment. He says, then certainly he's going to be my God. He's going to be my God. See, you see, his life is changing, right? He went from gimme, 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 you know, to thinking there's something more here. There's actually God. And God's making all these promises. And his life is changing. And so he says, I'm going to, you know, he's going to be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of what? Of worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. You see, he's changing. And he gets up, he recognizes, he remembers God. And he thanks God. And he makes a vow, right? He makes that vow. Man, you know what? God if God, if God, if God is really who he says he is, and I'm, he, I'm beginning to see he is, that's my God. That's my God. And you know, the thing is, we're all going to face uncertain times, right? 
you may be going through an uncertain time right now, maybe lost a job, change a job, maybe you know, transition with your family, all kinds of things, hotel getting sold, whatever, all kinds of stuff, and you don't know what the heck's going on. You know? And we live in a crazy world that seems to get more and more messed up every day. You know, a city in which there's a park that's supposed to be the happiest place on earth, you know, and we just see tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, right? We see a singer, young singer, tremendous potential getting shot and killed. We see 49 or so people just having a regular good time in, in a club, and they get all killed, 50-some-odd more are injured, and then um, uh, some of you heard, you know, there was that incident with the alligator, right? The alligator came up, grabbed a two-year-old boy, Don, gone. And I was just talking to Don, uh, Kirk's dad, Don Cousins, because his church is in Orlando. The club in which all that, that massacre went on, that's like about a mile away from their main campus. You know, and I said, whoa. And he says, man, we've never ever experienced anything like this. The whole city is just, I mean, it, it's one after the other after the other. You know, they opened up their church and they, they, they made it available. They said, if any, of, any families would like to have a funeral in our, on our campus, opened it up. They had a little memorial, not a little, they had a memorial service, you know, in honor, uh, just to remember these people. And they said a whole bunch of people came to that memorial service, people who probably never, ever, ever uh, stepped into their doors. He said to pray for him today. Their services are done. But to pray for them today. I've been praying for, for, for them. He says, you know, they'll probably have visitors. He's going to address and talk about God's goodness in the midst of all this. And, and he says, you know, we'll probably have visitors again uh, this week. So, you know. But we look at that, and it's like, it's all messed up. Unfortunately, Orlando is in the only place that we see and hear about tragedy, right? It's too commonplace. And, and we look at our economy in which so much is dependent upon and it's a whole lot more fragile than we would like to believe that it really is. We live in a culture where entitlement and supposed you know, individual rights have replaced the value of what? The golden rule, you know? And everything is just me, me, me now. And, and it's a crazy world. And it's disheartening in a lot of ways, right? That it's like, man. But you, you know, in the midst of this, as the church, we cannot just slink away. The temptation would be, this world's messed up. We have to disengage. We have to get away. Because if we can't even go to Disney World, you know, in that city, no, we cannot. That God, God's given us a call, and we've got to go out into the world. And when I look at the city, and it's just messed up, and it's rotten, I'm thinking, what preserves meat back in the day? It was salt. We're called to be the salt of the world, of the earth, right? If the meat is rotting, isn't that our responsibility as a church? Because we're the salt. And, and I, I think about this, and I said, you know, God, may this be the church's greatest moment where we can go out into this crazy world, 
and share your love. Because when there is so much darkness, and John White <clears throat> once told us, never going to forget, he said, when darkness increases and darkness gets darker, the light shines brighter, and God's light shines brighter. And you know, you, this whole room can be pitch dark. You know? I don't know how much square foot this room is. It can be pitch dark. But if someone lit just one match, one little itty-bitty match, wouldn't it brighten? Wouldn't it break the darkness? The darkness wouldn't go like, little match. No, one little match. And Jesus said, we're the salt, we're the light. And if we're just in here, 50, 60, 70 some odd people, you know, little lights, we, God can use us to break up the darkness. And I want to say this. Dads, dads, you know, you're a dad, not by accident, okay? You're a dad not because you're this studly male, okay? Put your hand down, Neil. <laughs> you're a dad because of God and his grace and love. And he handpicked you for your family. When you look at your kids... The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. They're his gifts to you. He didn't go like, I'll oh, just give them whatever. He says, nope, that one, that one, that one. Okay, let's look. All right, yeah, let's give Mark that one, this one, that one. Right? And, and, and I want to encourage you dads to lead your families and to demonstrate God's love and to remember what God shared with Jacob, and in the midst of darkness, in the midst of whatever we go through, uncertainty, whatever, you lead your family through that. See? Because this is not a time in which we circle the wagon and say, all right, you, just, you know what, we just got to take care of ours. That's never that time. This is a time we have to be the church. You know, and fathers, man, just... I want to encourage you, dads. You know, I can't do this myself. A lot of you are more courageous, more faithful than I am. But we can do this together. And I'm going to need your dads. That together we're going to say, we're going to take these steps forward. That it doesn't matter how crazy our city gets, we are going to see our city transformed with the love of Jesus. And you know what the hope is? The hope is, our children, because it takes one generation to change the whole culture around. You know that? This one generation. If we can change one generation, it'll change the whole trajectory of our, of our culture. It just takes one. You're all dads of a generation. We change that generation. We can change America. See? That's how important, how blessed how powerful you can be. Not on your own. We remember. We remember Jacob's story. Remember who God is. Remember his promises. We remember that God is with us. His presence is not going to leave us. We remember his protection and we remember his provision. And I just came into my mind that I said, there's four things. There's just three so if you're one of those people thinking, what's the fourth thing? I made a mistake, just three, okay? <laughs> all right, so don't, you can relax, all right? Because, you know, you're obsessive, compulsive types, you can just relax. Here's just three, okay? I just, it just popped in my mind. 
That was the Holy Spirit's grace upon you guys saying, all right, I can rest now. All right? Let's press on. Let's press on. Let's remember God and let's move forward, all right? Let's, uh, why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. If, you know, you're with your husband or you're with your father, you're next to a father, we're going to pray for all of us. But let's just pray a, pray a special one for our dads. Because I want every father to know just how important you all are. Whether you want to believe it or not, because it's the truth. Grace plus truth, <coughs> over time, your life transforms. All right? So I'm going to call the worship team up. We're going to pray. And then we're going to have a closing song. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. I pray, especially for the fathers here, that you would light a fire in them, that they would remember in their minds and in their hearts, that they would remember you. And when the going gets tough, you know, the tough gets going, and when they see their family going through uncertain times, they're going to be the encourager encourager. They're going to be the ones setting the example. I pray you would bless the fathers, Lord. Thank you so much for them. All of our fathers, the fathers who are not here, the fathers who have you know, gone to heaven, we just pray, Father. For, thank you for the fathers. And we look at you as our heavenly Father. And we say, Father, thank you for your great, great love for us. And so I ask, Father, now, empower us all but empower the fathers to remember you and we can move forward in Jesus' name. Amen.